So there was a, uh, a the city of the city of Helm. They had heard that in Moscow there's this new invention. The invention was a steam engine, and they didn't really believe that a train could really go without a horse. So they went to Moscow to investigate to see if it's really possible if a train could go. It's okay. We'll do it later. If it's possible for a train to move without a horse, is it possible? So they investigated and went to the to Moscow to the train station. It's just a new event, new invention. They didn't believe it could happen, and they went through the whole entire train looking for a horse, and they couldn't find a horse. So they met together and they decided this will not move. It's all a ruse. It's all a hoax. It's impossible that this thing's going to move. And lo and behold, when the time came for the train to leave. The train did leave. And they ran after the train trying to figure out how is it possible this thing is moving. And they got together and they had a meeting and they discovered the following. It's impossible for a train to move without a horse. What the issue is that there's this tiny invisible horse no one can see and that's how this train is moving. Obviously that's not true. But, that's what the, but the point of the story is some people feel that whenever they do something there's always a selfish motive. There's always some kind of of an animalistic drive. And the question, someone asked me a question yesterday, it's a very important question, can we really ever fear, feel our soul? Can you really feel your neshama? Please. Can you really feel your neshama? Can you really feel your soul? Or, whatever you do, is it always jaded, is always coated with an animalistic urge and drive and attraction? Oh, chazak. Chazak. Ishkosot gam? So, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it's not. It's, it's a Jewish custom, not the new jacket from a bottle. I don't know. Someone, someone told me that. Anyways, either way. So, this, this, this Jew went to Rabbi Savatitsky from Belgium, and he told him how he um, needed a real bracha. He wanted. He needed a lot of blessings. Speaking of blessings, let's, let's dedicate today's shiur to Rafur Kriva Shlema. For Shaina Hanyatsi Pera Baschaya Chavit, for Prokreva Shlema. And Shmuel came in Rivka, Prokreva Shlema. So um, he told the Rishav Tiske the following story. He said he needed, a, he needed a real bracha, he needed a real blessing, and he needed a blessing in his finances. His finances weren't the way he wanted them to be. And Rishav Tiske told him, I'm sorry, I'm a little jet lagged today, so I'm messing up the story. Let me try again. Told, he told Rishav Tiske, that he went to say Tehillim. When a Jew needs salvation, what do you do? You say Tehillim. Tzemach Tzedek said that if we would know the power of saying Tehillim, we would never stop saying Tehillim. You would never stop saying Tehillim. If you know how powerful, thank you. If you know how powerful it was to say Tehillim, you would never stop saying Tehillim. Why do we stop saying Tehillim? Because we don't realize how powerful, we don't realize what Tehillim does. If we knew how powerful Tehillim was, we never stop saying it. So he goes to get a Tehillim. He opens a Tehillim that belonged to his father. And in the Tehillim, what does he find in the Tehillim? $10,000. So he finds a treasure. Sometimes when you discover a treasure of a physical money, a deal or something, you feel great. But sometimes you find not just a physical treasure, sometimes you find a, sp- a spiritual treasure. Sometimes people grow older, oh, people grow older, and they discover a new talent they didn't know they had a talent for. They, know, they discover they're able to do something they didn't know they could do before. And they're able to like make people happy. They're able to make someone's eyes sparkle and someone's eyes to be excited and happy to do something make a difference in someone's life make a change 
So it's really a special thing when someone discovers, oh, Shem Aleichem, L'chaim, L'chaim, Racha. We're going to add you to the Constitution. Sometimes you discover a treasure within yourself. We're going to add you to the Constitution. And it's, um, it's really a, a unique thing when you discover your own treasures. They have this um, organization, it's called Toastmasters. And they try to help people learn how to speak professionally. One of the, uh, one of the speeches which, which won an award is about this guy who was in a public school. And he's doing, very, he's doing terrible in public school. And one teacher said to him, I, he said to this boy, he said, I see that you have something special, but I don't know what it is. Let's get together so we can discover what that is. So every single person, every one of us here, has a treasure inside. But it's possible that the treasure is, is hidden. And the question that I want to discuss today is, how can we discover the treasure? How can we reveal the treasure in ourselves? There was one Hasidic gathering, the Rebbe was speaking about Jews in prison. And never spoke about how even when a person is in prison, they shouldn't be left alone. You should have to take care of them. And it doesn't matter what the crime is, they're still your family. And so the, um, there was one guy there, his name was Yosef Tevel, Alva Shalom, and he really was touched by Deborah's words. And he decided he wants to go into the prisons in New York City and to, to visit the Jews in his neighborhood in, in jail. And he was very successful. He went there by Butman, the one who runs Chabad Youth Organization in New York. And he tells him, he tells him he wants to go visit Jews in prison, but he, um, he needs, needs, needs financial backing, he needs support. Rabbi Putman said, you got all the financial backing, go, this is what the Rebbe wants, we got to do this. So he's, it's before Passover, and he decides he wants to get all the prisons, he wants to get them all Shmurah Matz. They should all have the good Matz, you know, the, the, the special round Matz. So he brings them the Matzah, and he also brings them food for Passover. The night before Passover, by every Jew, is very busy. It's a very busy time. After B'dikat Chametz, after searching for the Chametz, late at night, he gets a phone call from the Rebbe's secretary, Rabbi Chadakov. Rabbi Chadakov says to him, thank you very much. Rabbi Chadakov says to him, that the Rebbe asked me to call you to find out uh, if, you, if you gave matzah to the Jews in prison. He says, yes. Did you give also, did you give also uh, food for them? He said, yes. Did you, get, did you get them hot plates so they can make sure the food that they have is hot? Uh, he didn't think of that. He didn't think about that they should have, hey, they have food, you know, that has to be hot. So that night he uh, called up uh, this guy, his name is, um, used to run a, a, a store in Crown Heights, a Mr. Drimmer. Where Judaica World is now, it used to be Drimmers. Uh, the, 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 uh, and, he, and he goes and he wakes him up in the middle of the night, gotta get me, the Rebbe wants them to have hot plates. So he gets, all the, he gets a bunch of hot plates for all the prisons, and he has to deliver them. But he's thinking to himself, he's thinking to himself, besides the, 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 the hot plates, what's going to happen if the Rebbe asks me if I went to every prison? And there's one prison that the, the chaplain, every other chaplain, the Muslim chaplains, the Christian chaplains, the Jewish chaplains, the Hattel, they all were happy this guy was calling to ask to, to, to take care of the prisoners. They all, they all were happy, except for one, one prison, which the chaplain of this prison was a reform rabbi. And the reform rabbi hung up on him. And we called him again, he hung up on him again. 
He called him again, he hung up on him again. I'm sorry, and we lost the connection. Um, I wanted to uh, bring a matzah to the prisoners. He hung up, he said, we don't need it. So he's thinking, though, the next the day before Passover, he's thinking, like, what if they're asked about every prison? This prison said, no, what are you going to do? So he calls up again. They just want to bring the matzah. You send the UPS, I'll, I'll give them the matzah. No, UPS, before Passover, get it in the middle of He goes there. He goes to the prison. He goes to the prison. And he goes to the... Um, to the, ra- the rabbi can't believe he's there. He's... You're here? I said, you could send the UPS. I heard so much about you. You know, <laughs> I wanted to give him this compliment. I heard so much about you. I wanted to see you in person. You know, people talk about you. So he said, okay, leave it here. I'll, 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 I'll deliver it. He said, well, listen, I'm here already. Why don't we go put on tefillin? He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. I'll do that. No, yeah, sure. So in, in, in uh, American language, yeah, sure means, uh, as we say in Hebrew, lech lazazel. You know, like, no way. Or as we say in Farsi, Bezrat Hashem, which means no way, no how, never. <laughs> anyway, so, so <laughs> listen, uh, we, 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 you guys own this town, we got to speak the language. So anyway, so, 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 but he took that for Chabad, you know, that meant, oh, great. <laughs> he said, let's, uh, he runs to his car and he goes, comes back with a tefillin. And it's, I'm not putting on tefillin, but very politely, he took his sleeve, he rolled up his sleeve and he started putting on tefillin with him. Guy puts on tefillin and he becomes very emotional. And he starts to cry. And Rabbi, Rabbi Yossi Tevel asks him, what just happened here? He said, I could tell you what happened until this point, but after I put on the film, I can't tell you what happened. That already, I, I don't know what happened after that. I know what happened up until, until I put on the film. Once I put on the film, I already don't know that part of the story. He was a Holocaust survivor. His parents and his brother were taken to one of the Nazis and then Kristallnacht. They took him and they, they 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 took them and they and they tied them to a wagon and they and they drove with them in the street to Holon Slan. So he was so angry at God that he took special pleasure of doing things that he knew were against Judaism. He said, "I take special pleasure if a couple, as a rabbi, to marry a couple of a, of a Jewish man to a non-Jewish woman, a Jewish woman to a non-Jewish man. I took special pleasure in being able to do that." And I was even happier if I was able to make this happen on a day that's a holiday, like a Yom Kippur on a Tisha B'Av, I'll make a wedding. That's, that's where he was coming from. But, you see, when I put on film, I don't know what happened. I just, it, just, it, just, it just made him realize something about himself they didn't know before. If I'm me? Okay. Okay. So, what happened over here? What happened over here was that this guy discovered something in himself they didn't know about. This week, reading about the splitting of the Reed Sea, Jewish people left Egypt, famously we all know, that the sea split. When the Jews arrived at the sea, we all know that there's four groups, they didn't know what to do. Some groups said, let's go, let's go attack the Egyptians. Some groups said, let's go return to Egypt. Some groups said, let's, let's pray. There was a big argument, a big, a big confusion. Um, and just like there's the sea and there's dry land in Egypt, there is also in every person, there is also the sea in yourself, there is also the dry land in yourself. And just like 80% of the world is, or more than 80% is water, so too the majority of, of yourself is really deeper than, than meets the eye. And ju- just like 
life itself. There's more life itself in the sea than there is in the dry land. They, 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 there are fish. The amount of fish are in the ocean is more than all the animals and humans combined. On land. On land. Carp, I think, uh, produces 50,000 eggs each, 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 uh, each mating. Just, in, just the carp alone. So um, it, that's why we always talk about the sign of blessing is pruravu is um, the sign of pruravu is a, a fish. Hashem t- t- says fish are a sign of blessing. That's why we, on, on Shoshana we go to, to a body of water that has fish. So the, um, the part that we know about ourselves is a dry land. The part that we don't know so much about ourselves, that's the subconscious, that's the part that, that, that we don't know about, and sometimes in that part we don't know about ourselves, there's a lot of feel- great feelings of guilt, sometimes there's feelings of embarrassment, of shame, sometimes there's a feeling of, of, of unworthiness, sometimes there's a feeling of, of desire to dominate, um, and sometimes uh, there's an inner cry people have, they want something, they want love, they want attention, and sometimes you might, a person might express anger, and behind the anger, behind the jealousy, there's something deeper within that person. Sometimes that person is depressed. Depression might be happening on the outside. What's happening, happening on the inside? A person feels a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility, and they feel they cannot get things done. So the, what's behind their depression is that their, 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 their subconsciousness says to them, instead of dealing with the situation, instead of believing you have the ability to deal with the situation, so, so get depressed. In other words, what's, what's, what's being screened to your sub, what's being, um, what's projecting, what your subconscious is projecting is depression. What's behind it, what's behind the depression is this feeling that I am unworthy and I'm able, and I'm unable. Why am I saying I'm unworthy and una- unable? Because there's too much pressure. So what really needs to happen is a person needs to be able to face a responsibility and to, to know that they, they have something there that's beneath that. They have, they have the ability to make a difference. So when we experience these symptoms, how much time do I have till you have to leave? 12 minutes? Okay, good. An hour. An hour. So when, when you experience these symptoms of your subconscious, they're, they're crying out to you to, to pay attention. So the moment you realize about yourself that you have something inside of you that's a treasure, that's valuable, that's, that, that you're not unworthy, that's something better inside of yourself, the moment you, you feel that, at that moment, you're, you realize that you have meaning and you have depth. That's the key to go back to your source. That's a key to discover your treasures. That feeling that you know that you have something inside of you, that you have some, something, something deeper inside, that, 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 that realization that you have something inside of you. So when the Torah tells us to leave Egypt, which also doesn't mean to physically leave Egypt, Torah says to us to leave our limitations, the things that are preventing us from being who, who we need to be, the Torah says you always have to remember the splitting of the Red Sea as well. It's not enough just to remember leaving Egypt, you have to also remember the splitting of the Red Sea, because in order to, split the, in order to leave your own limitations, to, re, to leave all these negative feelings, you have to go deeper within yourself. You have to realize you have something inside of you that's really good. That's step number one. To realize that there's something inside of you that's good. That's the key to, to, to go, go, get out of all the, all the, the issues. That's what the Torah says... The Jewish people left Egypt. It says they went into the sea in the dry land. Why do I say they went into the sea? They went in the dry land. Hashem split the sea. Because in order to be able to go out of Egypt, the sea inside of you has to become dry land. Meaning, just like the dry land you could see with your eyes, 
So to the inner part of yourself, to go out of your own Egypt, you have to be able to visualize if that, that has to be tangible, that has to be palpable, that has to be vivid to you, that you have some inner worth and dignity. That inner talent that you have, the inner strength that you have, has to be something that you're able to, to connect with in a very vivid way in order for you to be able to leave your limitations. There is another layer besides the gifts of our mind and our heart, there's not, there's not something deeper. And that is the neshama, the soul itself. L'chaim, 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 l'chaim. Say five more minutes, I'll tell you something that you like. You can. You can. Okay, anybody's have to go, so. No problem, no problem, no problem. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the, the way to have real freedom in ourselves is not to run away from our body. It's to connect the body and the neshama. The body and the soul have to be connected. We have to be able to feel our neshama. It, there's a tremendous power in being able to reveal your inner soul. And we have to always remember every day re- redemption from Egypt and included in redemption of Egypt is remembering that you have something deeper in yourself, that there's the splitting of the Reed Sea. And the Torah says to remember leaving Egypt. It also means remember how the sea was split. Because in order for you to leave Egypt every day, Hashem wants us to always be conscious of the fact that there is something called the splitting of the sea in yourself, that there's something deeper. That's the only way you're going to be able to, to leave limitations, the only way you're able to get, 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 get out of where you are. There was this boy, he's getting married, and uh, his father said to him, I want to give you a special gift, my son, in honor of your wedding. He had, I want to give you a watch, I want to give you a Rolex. And he, he had this wa- Rolex in a safe deposit bo- box, a uh, Rolex, what's it called? A Rolex. <laughs> a very rare Rolex. Oyster 6263. Yeah. No. Yeah, the yacht master. You guys know your stuff. So he goes, he goes with his father and, and he sees this watch, this dusty watch that scratches on it. And his father says, this, this, this is my gift to you, my son. Go, go find out how much it's worth. So... He go to that guy who's fixing watches. Go tell him. He looks at it. He says, "It's hundred dollars." All right. He says, "Go, go to another to a jeweler." He tells him a few thousand dollars. He, then finally, he says, "Put in a newspaper that this is for sale." And he finds someone who wants to pay hundred thousand dollars for it. He tells his son, "My son, there are four watches like this in the world. There's four watches like this in the world." So he tell, it said, "I'm not interested just in giving you the watch. I want to give you a message. If you are in a place." Where people don't value you, you should know you're not in the right place. It's not that the watch is worthless. It's that the people are, are, aren't estimating you correctly. So if you sometimes feel that you don't have any value, you know you're, you know you're in the wrong place. But should we go deeper? Let's go deeper. Ready to go deeper? Okay. Splitting the Red Sea. Gil, Gil deserves deeper. Gil, 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 you take a picture of mine, Robert? Maybe? Put it in the newspaper, maybe let's see <laughs> how much you're going to get off it. Tosfot says, let's go deeper, Make guys. sure that I'm in the right Listen, place. You Listen, you guys all learned the story in Yeshiva, so I'm going to tell you the, the deeper story. Tosfot says, the Jewish people got to the Red Sea, they went down on one side, and they came the up on the same side. So what's the point of the whole miracle? We always think they were running away from the Egyptians to get to Israel. But those they said they, they went in a semicircle. They went down, they came up on the same side. What's the point? Why, why did Hashem arrange that that way? Also, 
it says that when we come to the Seder, we say these words. Hashem Dayenu. Uh, if you would have just taken this out of Egypt, it's sufficient for us. Okay, now we understand, leaving Egypt was great. Then we say these words. If you would split the sea and not bring us across the sea, that would be enough. What do you gain by, if the sea split, you don't get across, what do you achieve? We say also in the Hodo, every Shabbat, we say, thank you, the Gozer, Yamsel, Gzorim, Hashem splits the sea into parts, Kilom Chasto, because it's kindness everlasting, then we add another line, he also brought us across the sea. It sounds like, there's one great thing, the sea is split, and also, he brought us across. What would we gain if the sea is split, and we don't go across? What, 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 what does that give us? There's a beautiful teaching in the Maral. The Maral says, that you find something unusual about the splitting of the Reed Sea, that never, something that was unusual that, that didn't happen before throughout the miracles the Jews experienced throughout the, throughout the Ten Flakes. You notice that it says in the Torah, in the Talmud, that the angels complained to God at the time of the splitting of the Reed Sea. It says the angels said to God, these guys serve idols, those guys serve idols too. Why are you helping the Jews? The Egyptians serve idols and the Jews serve idols. So why did the angels complain before about the plague of blood, about the plague of frogs? Why did they only complain about the, about the splitting of the Reed Sea? The God only, only brought those plagues on, on the Egyptians, but the angels didn't complain. How come the complaining began now? The angels all of a sudden were bothered. There's another thing it says in the Talmud. It says that when the water was split, not just the water in the Reed Sea split, it says all the water in the world split. Because it says in the Torah... The Jewish people, Vayibaku Hamayim, the water split. It doesn't say which water. So the Talmud says, all the water in the world split. The lower waters, the higher waters, what did that even mean, the higher waters? And what was the point of the water splitting? So answer like this. All the other plagues, was, there was limitation in their quantity. It was in a certain, there are frogs in the world, there's blood in the world, there's lice in the world, there are grasshoppers in the world. What was unique about was, was that Hashem brought an unusual amount of quantity of those things to Egypt. The entire water of the Nile River was changed to, to blood. But the rest of the water of the world wasn't. If an Egyptian bought water from a Jew, the water wasn't, didn't turn to blood. If a Jew had water, it was, it was water. But at the splitting of the Red Sea, God changed the nature of water. Not just the water of, of the Red Sea, of the, of the Red sea but all the water in the world. All the water in the world became solid. All the water, if, 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 the, if the water wouldn't have reverted back, so till today we would not know that water is, flows. We said, oh, that, that's why water is. Water is, is hard. That's what water looks like. That's what water is. About. So in other words, what God did at the split of the Reed Sea was He changed the fabric of creation. When God made the world, there were ten utterances that God used to make the world. Let there be light. Let there be a sky. So God redid the ten utterances at the at, at the time of the splitting of the Red Sea. So when Moshe Rabbeinu lifts his staff up to split the Red Sea, God says, you put the, your staff down, the water is going to split. Moshe says, one second. You promised God that you're not going to um, let, this, let this happen. You said that the, that the sea has its place and it's not going to split. Moshe asked God, what was Moshe's issue? Moshe was wondering, Everything in the Torah, always we find that Hashem does miracles, but through it in a natural way. Even when Hashem does a miracle, some kind of natural, some, some kind of a natural connection to the world. Like I mentioned, Rabbi Savatitsky before, his mother, Achman al-Slan, once had a very, uh, they lived in Israel many years ago, when went as many hospitals as there are there today. And his mother had a very, his mother had a very severe issue. And they went to one doctor, 
And the doctor gave a plan of, of, of um, healing, his plan. And they weren't sure if it was a good idea or not. So they asked the Rebbe what to do. The Rebbe said that they should ask another, another opinion. They asked a second opinion. Second opinion says the opposite. Ask another expert doctor, the Rebbe said. So they have two opinions against each other. What do they do now? So they asked the Rebbe. The Rebbe said to ask a third doctor. So they go to the only other expert in this field. I don't remember which field it was. And the only other expert living in Israel at that time says, listen, I heard about the Rebbe. I know about the Rebbe. Even then, you know, so many years ago, he knew about the Rebbe. I know he, he experienced himself seeing the Rebbe's blessings in his patients. Like, I'm telling you, I can't uh, decide. He could decide a lot better than I can. Just go back to him. <laughs> so they go back to the Rebbe. He calls up the Rebbe. And, and he, the secretary, Rebbe Chalikov, answers the phone. And Mechalikov says, uh, he, he, he tells Mechalikov the issue, and the Rebbe gets on the line. And the Rebbe says, why do they, need, do they need another expert doctor? Go to any regular doctor. So, so the, 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 the husband's like, what? Regular doctor? I mean, they're asking the top experts, when the regular doctor? So they go to the regular doctor. The regular doctor's like, why are you asking me? I mean, imagine asking a five-year-old kid what he thinks about a Rembrandt you know, portrait. Like, this guy's not, not, these are the experts. These are, these, these are the kings of their field. What, what's going on even? But that's what the Rebbe said. That's what they did. What, what did the Rebbe want to do? He wanted that his advice should go somehow through the realm of nature. It shouldn't be totally miraculous. But here, by the, by the, by the splitting of the Reed Sea, all the water in the world split. What's, what's the point of that? Always Hashem wants to make the, the miracles be somewhat limited. So the answer is like this. It says in the Talmud that when Hashem created the world, He made a condition with the sea that when the time comes for the Jews to cross the sea, the sea will split. And the commentaries explain not just with the sea, but whenever there is any situation that a Jew needs something to get done in the world that's against the rules of nature, Hashem made a condition with each creature that's going to acquiesce to uh, whatever has to happen. Why? There are, there are, I mentioned the, sea, the, the fish before. You hear this, uh, David? The Talmud says that any fish that has, um, that has scales has fins. There, and they've discovered since then, since the Talmud has been written, hundreds and thousands and millions of species of fish, right? The Talmud was written a long time ago. But the Talmud says a rule. If you find a fish with scales, it has fins. And they, they never are able to find a fish that has scales, no fins. So it sounds like the Talmud is prophetic. Prophetic. The Talmud knows stuff that no one else knew at that time, right? Here? That's what it sounds like. But it's a lot deeper than that. It's not that the Talmud is prophetic. It's that the Torah is a blueprint for creation. So if it says in the Torah that every fish that has scales has fins... That's, what, that's the reason why there are fish that have fins. It, it, it's not just the Torah happens to know the truth of the world. It's that the, the world's truth is only true, it's only real because it comes from, comes from the Torah. God used the Torah to create the world. So if it says in the Torah, if a fish has scales, it's going to have fins, that's the source of the existence of fish in the first place. You saw, you saw the one with the, the, like the rabbi said, 29 and a half days is how, how long it takes the moon to go around the moon and then only like NASA figured that out like... 
No, send to me. I never heard that before. Please send to me. Yeah, they have to re, re uh, calibrate it. Like Rabbi Daniel yeah, said, it takes, like I have a Masor that says it takes 29 and a half days. Yeah. Blind. He said that. And I, okay. this, I need to write a check for you. We'll take care of it later. No, I need to do it now. <laughs> I, I'm in the middle of a class, man. Okay, now, now I know when I'm done. Okay, good. <laughs> so, so, um, okay. So it's not just the, the, the Talmud knows what's going to happen. It's that, that, that the, the world exists because of the Torah. So if it says in the Torah, that's the way things are. So when Hashem orchestrates that the sea splits the Jewish people, it's not just that the sea happened to split the Jewish people. That God made the world for the sake of Torah, as it says in the Talmud. God made the world for the sake of the Jewish people. So at the splitting of the sea, it wasn't just an event that happened then. Every one of us was there. In fact, it says that when the Jews were there, and they crossed the Red Sea, this Shabbos is called the Shabbos of Song. Who sang at the sea? You know who sang at the sea? It says some babies were nursing from their mother. And in the middle, they, got, they crossed the sea, and it's time to sing. The babies turned their heads away from their mother and started to sing. Not only that, it says the babies in their mother's stomach were also singing to God. And it says that when we crossed the sea, we all said, we all said, this is my God and I'll praise Him. We all sang that song. What happened was, is that, that, there was an expression at that moment of the splitting of the sea of just like the water split, so too the water in our side ourselves also split. What's deeper within ourselves that we didn't know about, our neshama, the soul, was full expression of everyone's soul, and therefore everyone had a vivid, a, a, a vivid connection to their Jewishness, to their godliness. And, it, and all of us have experiences like this. Where there's moments you feel faith in Hashem. There's moments, moments you feel your Judaism, right? You, you, everyone has moments they can remember where they had that kind of experience. So the Torah tells us every day to remember the splitting of the Reed Sea. Every day when you remember leaving Egypt, the Torah says also remember the splitting of the Reed Sea. And the reason the Torah tells us is because the Torah wants us to be aware of the inner strength that we have to think about it and know it and believe it. And especially to study the inner dimension of Torah. Because when you study the inner dimension of Torah, that summons, that connects with the inner dimension of your soul. And uh, we have to realize how much God invests in each of us. And the world is here. You have an ob- you have an obstacle, you have something stopping you from going where you need to get to. To realize that what's that obstacle there for? It's only there for you to be able to summon that inner strength in yourself and to cro- split the sea in yourself to reveal your inner strength. And then you'll see also in the world the splitting of the Red Sea. Main thing is, it says, Mashiach will come also, begin the splitting of the Red Sea, and we should see it happen already. Take me, Mama. See you today. L'chaim.